The Apostle Paul uh, shares in Romans chapter 12, he refers to the church as the body of Christ. He describes that the church is similar to a human body, just like the human body is made up of many different parts. And we've gone through this. Before the guests, I want to just share with you. The body is made up of many human parts. We have the kneecaps, we have the elbows, we have ears, we have eyes, we have the mouth, we have the tongue. All these parts work together in unity, and it makes our body work well. Well, the Apostle Paul refers to the body of Christ in a similar fashion. Guess what? We all have different gifts. We all have different personalities. And when all those gifts and personalities work together in unity, it forms the body of Christ. And that's when the body of Christ can be powerful and it can be effective. Uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. It states in that scripture that we have all been given gifts. Not a single one who is sitting here today does not have a gift that has been given to you by our Heavenly Father. You have a gift. And you're supposed to use that gift to encourage, to develop, to edify the body of Christ. Remember, as I've been sharing in this message Earlier on, I was sharing about the parable of the talents when the three servants were given the, the talents by the master. One was given one, one was given two, and one was given five. And it all depended upon how the servant responded to the talent that was given to him, on how that talent was used, on how the heavenly father, or actually the master in the parable, was going to respond. See, we are created to respond in faith. We serve a God who is faithful. We do not serve a God who is full of fear or who has fear. And he wants us, just in the same fashion, to be a follower of Jesus Christ who responds in faith. So when you have a gift that God has created in you, whatever it might be, maybe you have the gift of encouragement. If you have the gift of encouragement, then God wants you to respond to that gift in faith. Because if you respond in fear, what will eventually happen is that gift will be taken from you because it will just die. But when you respond in faith to your gift, guess what? It will develop, it will mature, and it will be used in a greater way than you could have ever imagined. Not only that, the scripture in that parable says the ones who responded in faith, guess what? The master even gave them more talents, more gifts. Because he wants to see a person, a follower of him, himself, to respond to the, in faith to the gifts that he has given you. As a part of this series, Body Parts, we want to help each of you to discover the gifts that God has given you and how you can more effectively use that gift to encourage and to serve, and ultimately to serve God, but to, to serve one another. Today, the gift that we are examining is the gift of teaching. Our text is in Romans chapter 12 and at verses 6 through 8. That's been our, been our text for the entire series. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 7, the second half of verse 7, the Apostle Paul writes, If you are a teacher, teach well. Now, this sounds like eh, it's kind of a boring gift. Because how many of you have ever had a boring teacher? Come on, yeah, uh, we've all had those boring teachers, okay? But how many of you maybe had an exciting teacher that brought things alive? They probably had the gift of teaching on them. 
So I want to talk to you today about the gift of teaching. It's an interesting gift. This is definitely a gift that can change someone's environment. The gift of teaching. Our vision statement at the church is creating environments to see what God can do through you. Did you know that? How many knew that? Oh, boy. Okay, so because about 10 of you raised your hand, we're going to, all, we're going to share this again. So because I want you to understand the vision statement of this, of this church. Let's say it together. Creating environments to see what God can do through you. Not everybody was saying it, so we're going to say it one more time. You ready? It sound, feels like children's church, I know, but we're going to go back to children's church. If, if, if it gets bad, I'm going to make you stand up, okay? So just FYI. All together, creating environments to see what God can do through you. That's our vision statement of the church. Pastor Tom, why is that our vision statement? Because Jesus was all about creating environments that would create life change in people. Throughout Scripture, we see references of Jesus teaching people. Let me give you some examples. Matthew 4.23, Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues. Matthew 5.2, he opened his mouth and began to teach. Matthew 7.29, for he was teaching them as one having authority. Luke 5.3, and he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. Mark 4.2, and he was teaching them many things in parables. You see, Jesus used all kinds of different formats, and he used all kinds of different places where he was teaching. He taught from a boat. He taught from a synagogue. He taught straightforward to just sharing with people, and he taught in parables. He used different formats, different places to teach. Numerous times in scriptures, Jesus is also referred to as a teacher. When Nicodemus came to Jesus in the middle of the night, he came to talk to Jesus because he wanted to find out more about the kingdom of God. And when Nicodemus approached Jesus, he said this, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. When the, when the rich young servant came to Jesus and he wanted to know how to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you know how he approached Jesus? He made this comment, teacher, what good deed must I have to have eternal life? It's interesting that out of 90 times that Jesus was addressed directly in the Gospels, 60 times he is referred to as teacher. I share this because I want you to recognize that teaching is at the heart of Jesus. It's at his very heart. Jesus even referred to himself as teacher in John 13, 13. When the disciples, and he came to the disciples and he shares these, this word to the disciples. He says, you call me teacher and Lord. This is John 13, 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. For that is what I am. Jesus himself refers to himself as teacher and Lord. Teaching was important to Jesus. See, we have the Gospels, and when you read the Gospels, you find that Jesus did many miracles. 
He healed the sick. He, he healed the blind. He made the deaf hear. He healed the lepers. He raised people from the dead. But when you read the scriptures, you find out majority of his time was spent teaching. His teachings continue to impact our lives today. The entire Sermon on the Mount was a teaching opportunity to the multitudes of people. He just took the opportunity. There's thousands of people following him. He goes up to the top of a mountain, and he begins to teach, and he deals with the core issues that were influencing the people of the day. He dealt with core issues. His teachings went way beyond distributing knowledge. His teachings dealt with the issues of the heart. Why do we do what we do? Why do you do what you do? Jesus is sitting there. He said, man, if you even think about a lustful thought of a woman, it's the same thing as committing adultery. See, he was not going just forward the knot. He was going into our heart. He was speaking to us. Now catch this thought. If you're not convinced that teaching was important to Jesus, the final command before Jesus goes up into ascension into heaven, the final command in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he shares with the disciples and really to all of us. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In the King James, it translates it this way. It says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. The word that is translated make disciples or teach is a Greek word that means to, to train, to disciple, to instruct. The whole idea that Jesus is conveying to us is that he wants us to teach others about the truth that we have learned. He wants everyone to know about the wonderful grace that he has provided for all mankind. I believe that we are all called to teach in some capacity. Every single one of us are called to teach in some capacity. For example, the Bible says to us, parents, you are to instruct, you are to teach, you are to be an example to your children. Instruct them in the way that they should go so that when they are older, they will not depart from it. Many parents have ignored those instructions and the results can be catastrophic. I believe we are called to teach. But for some of you that are sitting here today, you have the gift of teaching. For example, I can sing. Don't laugh. I knew that was going to happen. Stop it right now. In the name of Jesus, you guys stop it. I can sing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I have the gift of singing. Are you following me? Catch this. The Bible says in Psalms 47.1, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud sounds of joy. If you don't loud, like loud music, don't go to heaven, just FYI. It's coming your way. Notice it doesn't say, for you who have the gift of singing, man, sing praises to the Lord. It says, all people give praises to the Lord. 
In the same way, I believe we are all called to teach in some capacity. We are called to learn and study God's word, not just for your own sake, but for the sake of others. We are called to make disciples and teach all nations. Yet some of you have the gift of teaching. And for those who have the gift of teaching, I believe you have that gift to inspire others, to inspire others to teach. For instance, a voice coach or a choir director, they will take a person who might not necessarily have the gift of singing, but guess what? They will bring them to a place where maybe they can make a joyful noise. You know what I'm saying? They will help them to be able to be a little bit better singing, even if they don't have the gift of singing. A person who has the gift of teaching, they will help another person to understand God's word, to understand, to be able to instruct others on how to live the truth. If you have the gift of teaching, you will inspire others. I want to examine the gift of teaching with us today, and the simplest definition of teaching is to impart knowledge. But the purpose of teaching is to build a foundation within a person that helps bring understanding. It's to build a foundation within a person to help bring understanding. There's knowledge and then there's understanding. There's a difference. From a Christian perspective, it's to provide a structure or a foundation that helps a person discover the will and purpose of God for their life. That's the whole idea of teaching. Let me share some qualities of a gifted teacher to you today. The first thing I want to share with you today is this. A gifted teacher communicates the truth. Teaching must impart truth. If you're teaching truth, then you are if you're not teaching truth, then you are leading people astray. The Bible is full of scriptures that warns us to beware of false teachers, to warns us to beware of false prophets. Why does the Bible warn us to beware of false teachers? Paul talks about it all the time. It's because he doesn't want you to be led away from the truth. See, you, it, to be a great teacher doesn't mean that you teach false things. To be a great teacher, you got to be able to teach truth that's going to change lives. The Apostle James writes that teachers will be judged with greater strictness. It's referring to those who are teaching God's word. Why are our teachers going to be judged with greater strictness? Because they have the power to either lead people to the truth or they have the power to lead people to lies, to the untruth, lead them astray into another direction. And because of that, teachers are going to be judged with a greater strictness. Too many people here today, and I'm going to step on some toes here today, Thank you. Come on, I'm glad you're here today. Man, I'm glad you're here today. Too many people today are afraid to speak the truth. We live in a society today that defines the truth as what I choose to believe in. Think about that for just a minute. We live in a society today that just says, man, the truth is what I choose to believe in. For many people, their truth is based on what makes them happy. That's all that matters. If it makes me happy, it's the truth. For example, stepping on toes, it doesn't matter if the Bible says to flee from sexual immorality. Hebrews 13.4 says, let marriage be held in honor among all, 
And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. We just kind of ignore that scripture. We ignore scriptures that talk about sexuality. We don't want to touch that subject because we're going to offend somebody. And that's when we step away from the truth. Undefiled means pure, holy, innocent. Today's society says the heck with marriage. I'm going to enjoy sexual relationship with as many people as I want to. In fact, heck with the whole idea of waiting to have sex before marriage. Society actually ridicules anybody that is a virgin before they get married. They think that you are actually a fool or stupid. And I'm not, if you, if you, if you uh, have had sex and you're here and that you're not married, I'm not preaching down to you. I'm preaching truth because God's grace will set you free. God's grace can bring forgiveness. God's grace can bring holiness into your life. So don't take this scripture and be condemned. What I'm trying to talk about is truth. Because see, what society will start to paint something is that, man, you can't get married unless you have, you've experienced it, experienced it a little bit. Man, you need to try out that site Tinder for a little bit. Because, you know, man, you can just try out different people and, and you can find what you like and what you don't like. And that's the best way to, you see, all of a sudden people start buying in to a false truth, a false truth. They start believing a lie. They can't tell the difference between truth and lies. And man, when we become a society that doesn't base our lives on the truth, we're a fallen society. Especially when we start believing the lies as truth. And people start shoving it down your throat, start throwing it, and they want you to believe it because it's what makes me feel happy. It's what I choose to believe, therefore it's true. If we become Christians or followers of Christ that just says, man, it's what I choose to believe, therefore it's true. I don't need to read that part of the Bible. I don't need to listen to the Holy Spirit that's speaking to my conscience. Man, we fall in a long, long ways. There is little to no commitment in our society today. And I'm preaching a little hard today, but it's going to get better. So be, stay with me, guys. Don't leave. Lock the doors, everybody. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Moral values have been degraded to whatever makes you feel good. Listen to this report by ABC. It says, young people feel significantly more isolated, misunderstood, and emotionally sensitive or unstable than in decades past. Teens were also more likely to be narcissistic, have low self-control, and express feelings of worry, sadness, and dissatisfaction with life. The article then goes through all the different possibilities of what could be causing these mental health issues. Maybe we are just more aware today of psychological problems, and therefore we're just more open to them, and we share them. Or maybe it has something to do with a poor economy, the lack of opportunity. Well, you can throw that out. I mean, if you look through history, we have one of the best economies ever. So that cannot be the truth. But the author writes this. Because the most likely culprit in the decline of mental health is the changes in our cultural values. <laughs> that's not even God's word. Man, that's starting to sound like God's word. We have become a materialistic culture that is focused on money and status. 
while devaluing the importance of community and relationships. And when we become a, a culture that is so much more about what I can gain, about money that I can have, or about fame and status that I should have, when, we become, when that becomes a higher priority than community and relationships, guess what? We're in trouble. My suggestion is this for the whole idea of the decline of mental health. It's the degradation of godly values in our home, in our workplace, and in our schools that has caused mental instability of our culture. By the way, mental instability is not limited just to youth. Mental instability affects all age groups. We're a Prozac nation, man. In John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth. And get, what does it say? What sets you free? And the truth will set you free. Do you think it's important that the body of Christ is able to teach the truth? If it is the truth that will set us free, don't you think it's important that that gift of teaching all of a sudden becomes more relevant in all of our lives as the body of Christ, that we're willing not to step away from the hard things of life, but we're willing to, and we do it in love. If any of you start teaching truth and in hatred and in, and no, no, no. We do it in love and in kindness and gentleness, and we start teaching the truth, and, and we don't allow people to put lies upon us. We say, no, 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 you know, guess what? I don't believe that. I respect you. Love you, man. But I don't believe that. Here's the truth, according to God's word for my life. Boom. And you start sharing the truth. We need to communicate the truth. The second quality of a gifted teacher reveals the truth. So we communicate the truth, now we reveal the truth. What's the difference? Pastor Tom, I'm glad you asked. It's one thing to communicate the truth, and it's another thing to reveal the truth. A gifted teacher will make the truth relevant to a person's life. It won't just be limited to knowledge. I'm sure you've all experienced a teacher that brings just a subject alive in your life. And you've experienced the other where a teacher where, man, you just can't wait to get out of class. I had a teacher named Leroy Johnson at Northwest College when I was in, coll when I was in college in Kirkland. And I had a class for him, and it was called New Testament History. And I'm telling you what, he brought New Testament history alive to me. I mean, he made it relevant to me. He revealed it to me. And all of a sudden, one of the reasons that we want... My wife wanted to go to Italy. We just got back from Italy a couple weeks ago. And one of the things that I wanted to go to Italy for is because of all the things I learned in this class in New Testament history about the catacombs. And one of the things I learned that he spent two days on was about the Colosseum. He brought that, the Roman Colosseum, alive to me. 
I mean, I couldn't believe he was talking about how they, the gladiators entered into the Colosseum and how 50,000 spectators were there crowded in and they were ready to see what was going to take place. He talked about the arena floor, how there were 60 different departments and trap doors and elevators that animals could come in. There was not a single area of the arena floor where there was not activity. And you'd have to keep an eye on everything because all of a sudden something would pop up over here and something would pop up over here. Now, it was gruesome. It was brutal. It was, it was really horrible in that way. But man, it was a show. In fact, he, my, my teacher was sharing how the aqueducts would come into the Colosseum in such a way that they could flood the Colosseum for naval battles. Think about that. Where do we have in today where we can flood a Colosseum for naval battles? This is 2,000 years ago where they would flood the Colosseum and they'd bring boats in and they would have naval battles for all the spectators to watch and to the, they could cheer it on. My professor brought history alive to me. He didn't just teach me knowledge. He revealed history to me. A great teacher will do the same when sharing the word of God. They don't just share knowledge they reveal the truth of God to people. When Jesus is comforting his disciples before his ascension into heaven, he tells them this, John chapter 16, verse 13. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future Truth is revealed to us by the very Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that reveals truth to you. It's why I pray sometimes when I'm praying and all of a sudden I'm sharing God's Word and before I get to, to going, all of a sudden I'll, I'll just stop and pray and I'll say, Lord, I pray that the words will come alive today. I pray that your Holy Spirit will allow these words to penetrate our heart and our mind because otherwise it's just knowledge. And I want that knowledge to be revealed to you today. Truth is revealed from this very Spirit of God. We must allow the Spirit of God to teach us. It needs to go from just words to revelation. And only the Holy Spirit can bring it alive to you today. This week, in fact, I think it was yesterday or the day before, I received a text from a young man in our church. And he shared this text with me, and uh, it, it just is a perfect example of how the Spirit of God, how truth can be revealed. He shared, I think I preached, did I preach on encouragement last week? I think I did, okay. He shared this, these words. He says, multiple times this week, I've effortless, effortlessly encouraged people that needed to hear specifically what I said. I've been in worship a lot this week, more than normal, and and told God to use me. Woo! Dang, your pastor could get excited about that when someone in the congregation would say, God, use me. He is. And I'm not usually that person. That text encouraged me 
Because all of a sudden, I know the words that I'm speaking forth, because they're just words that come out of my mouth. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, who gives us all truth, is taking those words and they're making, and He's revealing life to them. He's bringing life to them in such a way that a person takes it and goes, ha, oh, I get it. A gifted teacher will allow the Holy Spirit to work through them in such a way that God's word will start to take root in someone's life. Then you step away. If you're a good teacher, you just step away and you allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in that individual person. The last quality that I want to share with you today is this. A gifted teacher applies the truth. So a gifted teacher communicates the truth. A gifted teacher reveals the truth. A gifted teacher applies the truth. At some point, the knowledge given has to transition to application, even for the teacher. If you're teaching and you never applied God's word, God's truth to your life, guess what? You're missing out. And your teaching will never be relevant. But when you're teaching, you have to be able to apply the truth to your life. If there is no application of the truth, then it is wasted. A gifted teacher will help you apply the truth to your life. It's not just relevant, it becomes life-changing. Paul's reference in Romans chapter 12 towards teaching carries an idea of instruction, meaning when, it's, when that word instruction, the Greek word, it means there's a necessity for application. There's a necessity that it must be applied to your life. The truth should bring about change. It should affect your lifestyle. Jesus just didn't teach to bring knowledge. He taught to bring change. Do you believe that's here today? Just checking. Come on. He taught to bring change. He didn't just bring, come, come and share. I'm just going to share some good knowledge to you, and you can take it. You know, like, No, he, he brought the knowledge. He brought the truth of his grace. He brought the truth of his sacrifice. He brought the truth of, his, of him coming and, re, and, share, and sacrificing his life for all mankind as an opportunity for redemption where we could find forgiveness of sins for once and for all, that we could go away from the Old Testament in the sense of the law, that we, had, we wouldn't have, no longer have to live according to the law. We can live according to God's truth, the new law. Love your God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your own mind, with all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two in the greatest commandments that I can give to you today. He was changing the environment for people because they were living according to rules and regulations. They thought that was going to get them to heaven, and it wasn't going to get to them heaven. And it could have been just knowledge, but that knowledge had to go somewhere. It had to be revealed. A revelation had to take place, and then application had to come. And it changes lives. When you begin to believe and apply the truth to your life, it will change you from the inside out. There's times we need to teach ourselves. If you have no one else to teach, teach yourself. Read God's word. Spend time in devotion. Spend time in prayer. Let it start to soak into your life. Joyce Myers, phenomenal teacher. She shared, I don't know how many years, 15, 20 years, where she just taught this little Bible club until God said, now is your time. Now you're going to go teach and share to the nations. And maybe that never takes place in your life. But we are all called to teach. But some of you have the gift of teaching. 
And if you have the gift of teaching or you want the gift of teaching, when you leave today, you need to go grab a button that says teaching and put it on and wear it today. Last week, I was wearing encouragement at different times. In fact, when, I, when I, we left Sunday afternoon, we went to go do something, and I said something wrong to my wife, and she says, you're not very encouraging. True story. In the cup holder is the green button encouraging. I looked at that button. I said, well, here we go. And I pinned my encouragement button on as we went to the young marriage group down at Dana Point Beach. And I thought, I'm going to be encouraging today. It's not my natural gift. You didn't know that. Not. We need to take that gift. For some of you who have the gift of teaching, you need to expand and use that gift so that you can inspire others to the truth. Because you're going to be able to change how people think the way they live life, especially when the Holy Spirit gets with you and behind you. The teaching of the truth will build up the body of Christ. Listen to what takes place. Listen to what takes place when the truth is applied. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Then we will no longer be immature like children, we won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. That applies today. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Powerful word. Isn't that good? Truth. Teaching the truth. Who are you called? This, it was interesting. I got a text last week. I'm just going to share a little bit in my heart what's happening in your pastor. I got a text from someone last week, a man, doesn't really come to our church, that, hey, Pastor Tom, I need to be in part of a group. I need a, a Bible teaching group. I need somewhere where I can plug into. I'm a part of one, and it's just not working for me, and I just need to be part of a group. I said, okay, and I'm thinking in my head, well, I don't know, we have a couple groups, but I'm not sure if that's going to, and God started to convict my heart. Then why aren't you teaching that group? I'm already doing a number of things. But man, once that hit my heart, I thought, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll teach it. So I have one person in my group right now. I invited a second person into my group this week, and I'm thinking about the third and the fourth person already, and I'm starting a new group. I'm not even going to, I don't even know if I'm going to make it public quite yet. It will come public, but not quite yet, but God laid it on my heart. And if the Holy Spirit lays something on your heart, then guess what? You need to follow the Holy Spirit and start teaching truth and not run away from it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it does not return void. We are so grateful, Lord God, 
when the power of your Holy Spirit starts to speak into our lives, it changes us from the inside out. And I pray today for every person that's here today that God, their life will be impacted by your truth. The message was pretty simple. But God, I pray that this simple message does not just fall on deaf ears. But God, it will come alive. Just like the young man that texted me this week and shared with me how encouraging, the gift of encouragement is coming alive in his heart. I pray that the gift of teaching, another body part, another part of the body of Christ will come alive into people's lives. I thank you for what you're doing today, God. I thank you, Lord God, that you're changing lives. If you're here today, every head bowed, eyes closed. And you're here today, and I've been sharing this every week. I've been trying to make application because a good teacher makes application. If you're here today, and God has been putting on your heart that gift of teaching, and you've been struggling with it because you're just, oh, I don't know if I can step out in faith, but yet you know that God's put it in your heart. I don't care if there's one hand or ten hands. It just doesn't matter to me. But I want to pray with you today. Because, see, it's, a, it's faith just to raise your hand. It takes faith just to be exposed to, hey, Pastor Tom, that's me. And if you are a person here today, and maybe you already have the gift of teaching, and you just want to raise your hand and say, Pastor Tom, I want even more anointing by the Holy Spirit. If you're here today, and you want the gift of teaching, God's been, I want you to raise your hand real high. And see those hands. Come on, somebody. All over this place. Hallelujah. We, I am in the right church. Lord Jesus, I see every hand here today. And I pray, God, right now, we can, we, can do, we can use your gifts in our own strength or we can use your gifts by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray for every person whose hand is raised today, God, that, Lord God, that you will anoint them to teach the truth of God's Word, that you will put them in places this week, Lord God, where they can share truth to other people, that, God, you will use them in mighty and effective ways, Lord God, in whatever area that you're calling. God, I pray that you reveal it to them in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, God good? Yeah, come on, he's good all the time.